Good morning. Jesus is risen. Welcome to Faith on Hill's online Sunday morning service. We gather every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., both online and in person, to celebrate the risen Savior. Now, in person, we are meeting in our building. Uh, We have worship. We have kids' church. We have prayer, and we have Bible teaching. Online, we have the Bible teaching And we also have an online small group that meets during the week. You can email smallgroups at faithonhill.com for more information, or you can check out our in-person small groups as well. It is Easter Sunday. We will continue our study in the book of the Revelation because it talks directly about Easter in Revelation chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 5. If it's 1030 in the morning and you're watching this and you'd still like to come to church, it's not too late. Come on down. We have our uh, Easter service and then egg hunt for the kids afterwards. But if you have a Bible, open to Revelation chapter 5. Well, welcome again. If you are on our live stream at faithonhill.com, if you're listening later through the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you just have to search Faith on Hill to find those. And if you subscribe, you can hear all of our podcast content. Uh, But we are glad that you're here. If you're on Facebook, We'd love and appreciate a like and a share. That's awesome. Revelation chapter 5 says this, and bear with me. This is about Easter. Remember that John, when we were last in the book of Revelation, John now is in this vision seeing the throne room of heaven. And you can go back a couple weeks, and he describes this throne room, and they're surrounded by angels and living creatures and elders. And we talked all about that two weeks ago. But he's still in this throne room. In chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides sealed with seven seals. And a mighty angel was proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? And no one in heaven or on earth, or under the earth, could open the scroll and even look inside it. And I wept, and I wept, because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and to look inside it. Then one of those 24 elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed, and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. The scroll is John's new problem. Now, We don't know what this scroll is. He looks up at the throne, the throne of heaven, the throne of God, and he sees in the right hand of him who sits on the throne this scroll. And it's what you'd think a scroll is. It is, uh, you know, papyrus rolled and rolled together into a scroll. And it's got these seals on it. This is like a wax seal, like in an old-timey letter where they would put hot wax, and then somebody would take like a ring, a king, or somebody important, and they'd press their ring into the seal to give their mark to it. And as long as that seal was still attached, you knew that no one else had read that letter. The seals were keeping this scroll hidden 
closed, unopened. The scroll is John's problem. Now, we don't know what the scroll is, but we do know what it does. If you've never heard an old gospel song, you know, talking about the, the seven seals, uh, you know, I, I love old spirituals. I love old gospel songs. I love old, the old uh, Negro spirituals. There's a great old uh, Negro spiritual called John the Revelator. Tell me who's that writing. John the Revelator wrote the book of the seven seals. And as we're going to find out starting next week, every time one of those seals is broken, a new judgment from God comes upon the earth. Why does John want that? The scroll is John's problem because it answers all of our problems. The when, the why, the how. It's John's problem because it is the solution. Have you ever looked at the brokenness of this world? The war, the corruption, the injustice, the hurt, the pain, the suffering, and said, when is this going to end? And for some reason, John is convinced that this is the answer. And when no one is found who is able to open the seal, he weeps and he weeps and he weeps because there is no hope. None. Now, there has been different ideas about what the scroll represents. The, the most common teaching that I've heard over the years is that it was, it's the title deed of the earth. And apparently, it was uncommon to write on both sides of a scroll. Apparently, it was usual to write on one side of the scroll, roll it up, and the outside was unwritten on. It was an unusual thing. There are some drawings, some depictions of important people, powerful people, emperors, who held scrolls in their hand that had writing on both the inside and the outside. So it could be that what God is showing to John is his power, his dominion, his authority. In the Old Testament, specifically in the book of Jeremiah, there is reference to scrolls that have writings on both inside and outside that were legal deeds, property deeds. And so others have said, wait, well, you know, like I said, hey, this is the property deeds of the earth. This is the title to the earth. Who is worthy to take the earth back from Satan? Who is worthy to take the earth back from the rebellion of sinful people? And no one's found worthy, and that's John's problem. When can this end? How can this end? Why won't this stop? And no one's found who is able to stop it. That's the who. That's John's problem. Now, did John know what this meant? Maybe he did. It's also very possible that without knowing exactly what that scroll was, it's very possible that on some intuitive level, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, he knew that this scroll must be opened, that it would be dire, and tragic, horrific if this scroll is never opened. And he knows that no one can do it. When it says no one in heaven, there's no angelic being, there's no person who has died, a great hero of old. There's no higher power found worthy. On the earth, nobody currently living. Under the earth, those who have died. And he begins to weep. But the lamb, the lamb is John's answer. This elder comes and says to John, don't worry. Don't weep. The lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah, is worthy. Verse 5, 
Jesus is seen as a lamb. He is seen as a lion. He is seen as the root of David. John says, verse 6, Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the people of God. And they sang a new song saying, you, speaking of the lamb, you are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and tongue and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise, honor, glory, and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. The scroll is John's problem. Whether he knows exactly what it is or whether just intuitively he knows that it matters. He knows that this scroll must be taken. The seals must be broken. Something has to change. There's plenty of people out there who know that something has to change. Who know that something's not right. They're looking for the fix. They're looking for the solution. And inside they're despairing. Even believers, even people who know Jesus, because John was a believer. He's an apostle. He's a guy who wrote the Bible. He wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote the book of the Revelation. And even he's despairing. And somebody says, hey, take a look at Jesus. Friends, I'll say this. If you are not a believer and you are despairing of everything going on in this world, we have tried everything. If you think we just need good political leaders. We've had them. Other countries have had them. You get a good leader, they don't last. Or they fail themselves. Oh, well, we just need a better system. Let me hear it. We've tried all of them. The systems don't work. They're broken because we are broken. Well, if we just all tried really hard to be really good, show me where that has ever worked. The lamb is the only one who is worthy. Jesus is the only one who was ever found worthy. And why is he worthy? He's worthy for many reasons. Let me list a few. First, God the Father deems him worthy. The lamb goes and is given and takes the scroll from the right hand of him who sits on the throne. The fully human part of Jesus is acknowledged as worthy by God the Father. Jesus is worthy by his actions. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. You are worthy because you were slain. It was his action, his obedience on the cross, his sacrifice that made him worthy. And he's worthy by nature. Now this is a bit of a, you got to read into this a little bit, but I, I don't think I'm wrong. 
John looks up at the throne, the throne of God, and Jesus isn't just near it. He's on it. He's there. And he isn't just there by himself, but it's, he's one with the Father, and he has the Spirit of God shown in him, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. By his very nature, he is the answer. Jesus is worthy because God the Father has said he is worthy. Jesus is worthy because of his actions as a human being. Jesus is worthy by his very divine nature. And what was he worthy of? What was he worthy of? To purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, to make them a kingdom and priests to serve God and to reign on the earth. Jesus is worthy fix the problem. Jesus is worthy to rescue people from the darkness. Jesus is worthy to completely change people from sinner to saint. Jesus is worthy to take people from every corner of the earth and every human experience and bring them into his kingdom. Jesus is worthy. It is because Jesus rose from the dead in victory that we have assurance and that we know and that over 500 people who saw Jesus after he had been publicly executed said, hey, we were there. We saw him. This same John on Friday, we read his words in our uh, Holy Week video that he was an eyewitness to the death of Jesus Christ. And he said, hey, I saw him die. And here I am a witness to him resurrected. And these songs that they sing, these are the songs, there are songs, songs that, that we embrace, we claim and proclaim that Jesus is worthy. Think about this. When it says, because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and tongue and language and people and nation from the whole earth, from all of human history, from all of human experience, Jesus has purchased us with his blood to be a kingdom, to be priests, and to be rulers. What does that mean? It means that Jesus calls people to leave this world of sin behind, to leave this world of brokenness to, behind, to leave this humanity behind, and to say we are now followers of Jesus. We are now citizens of the kingdom of heaven, priests. It means that we are called not to be aimless. Heaven is not going to be a place where we just sit around and contemplate clouds, but we have a purpose to serve God. We have a purpose to live in the way we were designed to live and rulers. Do I claim to understand fully what that means? No, I don't. But I know that Jesus has plans for us that extend far beyond this world. It says from every tribe and tongue and nation, and that makes people uncomfortable. We don't mind when Jesus calls us. We like that. We don't mind when Jesus calls the people we like. We like that too. What happens when he calls those people over there? What happens when he calls people from the rival nation? What happens when Jesus starts calling people from the group that we don't like? He calls people from rich and poor. Really, Jesus is going to call those hicks and hillbillies over there? Really, Jesus is going to call those rich jerks up in the West Hills? Yes, and more so. Old and young, Jesus is still saving people. Old people are coming to faith. 
Young people are coming to faith. Jesus is doing his work. And yet, what are the biggest fights right now? It's demographics. Okay, boomer. Oh, stupid millennials. All of these things, we blame our problems on each other, old and young, right and left. Can you imagine how uncomfortable it makes some to know that God loves mega hat wearing conservatives just as much as he loves anti-fascist progressive liberals or we're all woke and everything, right? Jesus is calling people from all these groups, gay and straight. Jesus is calling people, every race, every country, every creed. One of the things that I fight against the most, although I understand it, is this idea that Christianity is the white man's religion. Now, some of that's a self-inflicted wound. You know, every movie I ever saw growing up, Jesus is this British guy with blue eyes, and that's totally untrue. Jesus, I, I made the comment a couple years ago that Jesus was Asian, and it really threw some people, but look it up on a map. If you just say, can I have a map of the continent of Asia? Take a look. Israel is in Asia. Jesus was a Mediterranean human who lived on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean in Western Asia, spent some time living in Northern Africa, never once went to Europe that we know of. Christianity is not the white man's faith. In fact, if, if you were to look at the history of Europe and Christianity, there's, there's a lot where you go, man, we weren't reading our Bibles. I like that meme that says, you know, if, if the apostles were alive today, we'd be getting some letters written to us from every race, from every country, from every creed. There are people coming to faith all over. There are Muslims coming to faith. There are Jews coming to faith. There are Mormons coming to faith. There are Buddhists and Hindus and atheists and people from different, you know, regional faiths coming to know Jesus as their Savior. This is happening because Jesus was worthy by worthy because God said he was worthy, worthy because of his actions, worthy by his very divine nature. And in that power, he is calling people from darkness into light, from death into life. And that same offer, that same work is happening today. Friends, hear this. There was a man who was born, and as far as anyone could tell, never did anything wrong. There was a man who came and had the power of God healing people, yes. But also, his words themselves seem to be the very words of God. And when he was arrested, they could find no charge that would stick. And when he was killed publicly, people who had never believed in him before, in his very moment of death, placed faith in him. The thief next to him on the cross who said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. The soldier who said, surely this man is the son of God. Even in that moment of seeming defeat, Jesus was bringing people from death into life. And three days later, Easter Sunday, he rose from the dead, seen by over 500 eyewitnesses. And the power of his spirit is still changing people. It's changed me. It's changed us. It can change you. And it can change anyone you know. The fact that Jesus is worthy 
You see the problems in this world. You see the mess of this world. You are hopeless and despairing the way that John was as he wept and he wept and he wept. And then somebody came along and said, look at the lamb. I'm telling you, look at Jesus. Are you despairing? Look at Jesus. Are you without hope? Look at Jesus. You say, oh, Christianity, church. I went to church once. I'm not telling you to look at church. I'm not telling you to look at Christian culture. I'm not telling you to do anything other than to look at Jesus. He is worthy. He is worthy to forgive your sins, to forgive my sins. He is worthy to heal us. He is worthy to change us. He is worthy to call us into something new, something better, and something lasting. That is the message of joy, hope, and change that we embrace and love this Sunday and every Sunday as we remember all that Jesus did on that very first Easter, rising from the dead and showing himself as the acceptable sacrifice that paid for the sins of all people everywhere. God bless you. If you have any questions about what I said, if you want to know more about Christianity, reach out. My email is adam at faithonhill.com. We'll see you next Sunday as we continue to study God's word together. We'll see you this week in the small groups. And of course, check out our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, and on our website. You just have to search Faith on Hill uh, to subscribe to our podcast. You can follow us on social media at Faith on Hill as well. Happy Easter. God bless you. We'll see you next week.